Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. everybody. It's good to be with you again this week. I realized uh, last week I was listening to the podcast again, and I say that exact phrase every single episode. So welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are here with uh, Brother Ike Stafford, uh, who we've had on the podcast before, and he does such a wonderful job. We thought we'd have him come back and, and teach us again. So Brother Stafford, welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you. Um, we are uh, going to be in Luke and in Matthew today, Matthew chapter 13, Luke chapter 8, and uh, 13, um, covering parables, covering uh, some women in the scriptures that are here. Um, and so I'm excited to be with you. Uh, Brother Stafford, for those of you that don't know, is uh, uh, currently assigned to be the seminary principal out at uh, Valley View uh, High School in Nampa, Idaho, and uh, does a wonderful job. He's a good friend of mine, lives in my stake. Uh, we've served together in, in some callings uh, there, and, and so blessed to be with him today and excited to to have you with us. So uh, with that, I'm just going to turn it over to you and let us uh, let us begin. So Thank what do you, you have? Where, where should we go? Yeah, where should we start? I think um, start with a little bit of trivia for you. Oh man, I'm not good at trivia. Yeah, we're going to start. We're going to talk about some fruits for a second. Okay. Um, first thing is, is a banana a fruit? <laughs> um, it grows on a tree. There's a banana tree. I would if, say if that's the only qualifier. Is then. it a seed? It maybe just this whole all giant seed. So and we're starting easy. The answer is yes. The answer okay, is yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, how about how about a, a tomato? Tomato is a fruit. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it depends on what definition you're coming from, from a culinary perspective sure. or from an agricultural perspective. Sure. But it, it can fit in that category, or it can't. Okay. Um, another couple of trivia questions. Uh, why did the banana go to the doctor? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> he wasn't peeling well. Oh, wow. The orange had to stop because? Uh, it was uh, between yellow and red. Close. Yeah. Ran out of juice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for laughing. Those were great. Those yeah, were great. great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> for anybody listening, sorry for that. But we're talking, I want to start this conversation today about fruit. Yeah. And there's this, this question out of the... Come follow me for this week that just jumped out at me. And the question is, what is the fruit that the Lord seeks from us? Hmm. And I want to make it even more specific to you. And, and oh, yeah. I'll try to circle back on this. But what is it that the, what kind of fruit or what is the fruit that the Lord seeks from you? Hmm. Whether it be the banana kind, the <laughs> orange kind, or mm-hmm. we'll hmm. talk about that. Okay. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 talking about fruits. Before we did that, I was I was wondering if it would be okay if we just invited in Sister Aldous. Well, I would love that. Yeah. Um, she, right now, her, her classes normally are going on, but this afternoon, her um, during this class, or during this time period, her classes got canceled. The, oh. the, all the school Great, yeah. this afternoon got canceled. And, 
And so she's here, and so I thought maybe we'd ask her a couple questions, ask her to join us. Yeah, please. Are you okay with that? Let's do it. Okay, I'll get her. Thanks. This is so fun. It's so fun to have Sister Jen Aldis with us. Um, Brother Stafford and, and uh, Sister Aldis teach together out here, and uh, um, I love uh, the direction that Brother Stafford's going to go here. We talked a little bit before uh, we hit record, and so uh, with that, I'll, I'll welcome you, Sister Aldis. Thank you. It's good to be here with you. And uh, Brother Stafford, take it away again. Yeah, I, I will say this. Sister Aldis doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but she's very very gracious and, and willing to jump in here with us. Um, the reason that I wanted to invite you to be with us is because there's some some verses in this week's block from Come Follow Me that uh, by virtue of both Brother Swenson and I being males, like we're unqualified, I feel, oh, to, yeah. to, to speak on. Oh, totally. And, uh, and you just have a terrific perspective generally about the gospel. So we, will you help us out with some things? I will do my best. Great. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to go to... Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 8. Okay, Luke chapter 8, we're in. So Luke chapter 8, and I've I've interviewed, or I've, I've texted several young adults from the valley and outside the valley and asked them for their perspective on some of these verses as well. Um, I didn't know that we were going to have access to you, Sister Aldous. I thought you were going to be unavailable. And so um, I, I have some insights from some young adults, and we might bring some of those in as well. But why don't we do it this way? Um, Brother Sunson, if you'll just read the first three verses. Chapter 8? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll ask you some questions about these. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and shewing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Now, I probably should give a little bit of background to this. I mean, Jesus has been, you know, we've been doing Come Follow Me. We know what's going on. He's been doing his miracles, and he's been teaching. And now we're just starting into the parables. Yeah. And in the midst of all of this, Luke feels it very important to include these three verses. So, I have some some questions about this for you. Do you, okay. I know you, this is probably a matter of first impression. You kind of know a, a little bit of what's been going on in Come Follow Me. What are your thoughts about these verses generally, or, or should I give you a more specific question? Um, well, first of all, I just love the fact that Luke thinks about the women mm -hmm. in the first place mm -hmm. and finds that, that he thinks it's important that we know that the women are part of the whole process and that Jesus Christ... Um, has performed the miracles in these women's lives and they are so devoted to him that mm -hmm. they are willing to give of their substance and their time and whatever else they're they're using to minister to him i i appreciate luke's perspective of that because i don't feel like we always get to hear about the women in the scriptures very often i concur you know it's interesting that um the institute has a class called women in the scriptures um, and I have yet to have taught that class, but um, have looked through the curriculum for that, and it really is amazing how much there is. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe because prophets are male, we we just hone in on the prophets and then and we, we we learn from them. But but there really are a, a number of women discussed and their experiences talked about in the scriptures. And and again, I I concur that Luke includes them in his writings. I think is significant. 
Let's go a little deeper into that. Uh, in that verse, uh, verse number three, the, the end of it, and many others, many other women who are not mentioned, ministered unto him of their substance. So it seems like their ministry was specifically to him. I'm sure it was to others as well. It, it, but that's how that's how Luke chose to write that. So I reached out to some young adults um, from the valley, and, and one who I'm related to, and she doesn't live in this, this valley, but I asked them some questions about this, and maybe maybe we could read some of their, their words, and then we could comment on it or have your perspective on this. The first is from Emily Gotig, and she's, um, she's actually on a mission currently. She's in Panama. I thought this was interesting. So the question I asked to her was um, something along the lines of what and this is via email, what would what would it mean to you to be traveling with the Savior and to minister to the Savior? And so, this is her response. Will you read that for us, Jennifer? Absolutely. Some people think of traveling with Christ as all of us following behind Christ as he leads us down the path of mortality. I think it's more of Christ walking with us, carrying us to immortality. Mm. Mm. That one, struck a, that one struck a chord. That one struck a chord. That's beautiful. I think it's interesting how she how she wrote that. Because for me, I think of ministering to Christ, but for her, it is Christ is with us. And I think the Doctrine and Covenants verse, draw near unto me and I'll draw near unto unto you. Doctrine and Covenants 88, 63. And mm -hmm. those women and their ability to be close with the Savior and to minister to Him. It reminds me of um, Peyton McBride. She wrote this. I asked her what it would be like to be um, traveling with the Savior or to minister to Him. And her, her thoughts, they would have sent Swenson and Kathy. Yeah, I love that. Read that. They're there in green. I wanted to first recognize the women who are able to walk and minister with Him. It's meaningful to me that they were there, as women were an important part of His work. It allows me to know that I, too, could have been there. As I ponder on what it may have been like to walk and minister with Him, I imagine feelings of gratitude and joy to be in his presence and to teach others the gospel. Today, I can walk with Jesus Christ through learning more about him and striving to be like him through serving others as an example of his love and goodness. I know we are his hands and he needs to, us to do his work in these last days. Hmm. Sister Charles, we're laying heavy on you. Please comment. That is such a beautiful perspective and I was mm -hmm. just thinking about both of those, the fact that you love the people that you serve. And what an amazing um, opportunity these women had to be able to serve Jesus Christ and love him in that way, the way that mothers love their families. Yeah. But also the idea that that hasn't changed. I love her, her idea of he just asks us to serve one another because that is what he would do as he was here. What a great perspective yeah. that is. That's really cool. I, I, can I add a, a thought here? I teach a class called Answering Gospel Questions at the Institute, and uh, we had a conversation a week or so ago about Heavenly Mother. And the question was, why don't we know more about Heavenly Mother? Mm -hmm. And um, I said, well, after some conversation, I said, well, how much more about Heavenly Father do we really know than Heavenly Mother? And we effectively got to, well, not a whole lot more. We know he was at least present in the grand meeting at the beginning, and he has had a few interactions on earth with mostly introducing his son, right? Um, but but the attributes of the father, we don't really know more about than Heavenly Mother. And and so then we started talking about the Savior. And well, what attributes do we have about the Savior? We've made a li big list, big long list of all the attributes and, and that he was perfected in those. And I said, well, 
point to all of the attributes that are strictly feminine attributes. And nobody could point to any. And Well, which ones are only ma masculine attributes? And nobody could point to any. And, and effectively, we learned that all of us are responsible for obtaining all of the attributes. But then the conversation shifted, and maybe towards this direction, that but we come to Earth with different assigned, um, maybe because of our propensities as male and female, um, but just different assigned uh, skill sets to, to magnify. The, the, the gifts that my wife has to nurture are so much more by default, I think, better than mine. And I think about, you know, maybe I could have been there with the Savior and, and ministered to Him, but but that women were doing that would have been such a better ministry probably than, than if the men were, you know, there helping and, and, and being there to be his, his sucker and his support in his life. So just an interesting, maybe tangential thought that, that comes back to that idea that, that women were needed and would have been highly valued in his, in his group of people, his followers. Mr. Aldous? I agree. I think about the family proclamation and you, you talked about your wife being the nurturer and we know that the men have certain responsibilities that kind of go along with what they are inherently good at. Sure. Um, preside, provide, protect. It doesn't say anything in there. And I know that there's lots of men that are so good at, at sharing feelings or, sure. or being aware of yeah. when somebody's hungry or whatever that is, but that women really do have that innate ability to see things differently than yeah. men. And how telling is it that the Savior would surround himself with both of those yeah. populations? It's beautiful. And that he would exemplify both perfectly, mm -hmm. right? That that my role might be provide, protect, pr preside, right? But And that maybe my propensity to, to be good at those things is, is that. But it doesn't negate my responsibility to Absolutely. become a nurturer and to learn that from my eternal companion, right? To, to help have her experience be something that I learned to become more like because I'm one with her, right? It's a pretty powerful message, I think. And I, and I think about these women who are specifically listed here, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, and Susanna. And I wonder what their, I wonder what their personalities were like. I wonder yeah. what their unique gifts and and, and attributes were, and certainly they weren't all identical, but um, they probably had different interests. They probably yeah. had different in appearance. And, and different talents. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're all there ministering to the Savior. Well, and different cultural backgrounds too, right? I mean, Mary Magdalene, um, we don't know a lot about where she came from, but having been in, in such a position to have evil spirits about her, um, you know, maybe says something about the life she was living before or where she was at in, in her life, but uh, choose a Herod steward. I mean, that would have been a pretty high position in, in society back then to, to come from and, and to put those two women in the same space and have them both ministering to the Savior. Is, it, it says to me that the atonement works, that, that, that our place, our status in life really doesn't matter, that we come and we develop alongside the Savior uh, as he helps us to become like him. Pretty cool. That's yeah, and on this topic, Sister Aldous, part of my role in, in my profession is I get to be in Sister Aldous's classroom regularly. And um, this is going to make you feel a little bit embarrassed, but she, Sister Aldous is so good at this personal ministry of mm -hmm. just looking at the students and 
it's just not something that I, I'm capable of doing. And, and this is a, a true thing. You observe her and the way that, that she greets the students and she just has this way with them. I don't know that I'm doing a good job of articulating that, but that's something that I just have not yet been able to, to develop sure. like she has. But it reminds me of um, what my niece said about on this topic of ministering to the Savior and, and traveling with him. My niece, Talia White, she says, the biggest theme for me right now is time. I think I can minister to the Savior by giving him my time. This looks like praying, reading scriptures, going to the temple, etc. But I also think that it means to be present. And this is where I want to ask you about, Sister Aldous. When we are with people, we have chances to connect and love. And if we are not present, we miss those opportunities. Satan's biggest thief of time is distraction. Mm. Mm. What counsel or insight do you have on that? On that quote there. That totally just tugs at my heart. I think that that's so important. I think that we are we live in a world of distractions, and it's so easy to be distracted and feel like you're making connections if I'm talking to somebody on social media or if I'm texting them. But there is not any kind of a way around the feeling that you get as you just look into somebody's eyes or you ask them sincerely, what's going on? How are you today? Mm -hmm. Or just wrap your arms around them and give them a hug and you just feel them melt in your arms that that connection as i've i've studied the miracles of jesus christ i just feel like over and over again i see for him it is all about connection it's all about loving one another and serving one another and looking out for one another ministering to one another making those connections he doesn't want anyone to feel alone or apart or different that he wants everyone to know that they belong and that he is going to welcome them with open arms that connection is just so vital well i think the way that he does that too right he does that the way i need it he comes to me at my level as a man and comes and helps me and he comes to a woman differently and helps her in in a way that she needs it i think so often in my at least my attempt to to sucker others, I go at it the way I think that that ought to be done, and and the way I would want it. And uh, I think the Savior is a perfect example of of doing it the right way for that person, not just what he would maybe prefer. So, the phrase that comes to mind as you're saying that is higher and holier. And we know mm -hmm. that when ministering was replaced replaced our home teaching and yeah. teaching, that that's how they it was taught to us. Yeah. Is, let's be higher and holier. Let's do it as the Savior would. Let's elevate our our own abilities and talents to yeah. connect and do it as the Savior would. Well, there's a lot of power to um, knowing, as a married person, for example, knowing uh, the love languages of my spouse. Um, what is it that she values versus what I value? They're different. You know, we have different languages that we speak that way. And, and, and I think that's not always the same for women and always the same for men. Um, which maybe speaks to our attributes and our development of those attributes that that we're at different places, and to to maybe not just take a an assessment of my of my love languages once, but to take it multiple times and see growth and see progression and and be willing to love like the Savior would, which is how they need it, how they want it. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It makes me think about how he interacted with these three women in particular, again, who get named, yeah. but all the women who traveled with the Savior and ministered to Him and ministered with Him. And 
I wonder what it would have been like to be those those close associates who are men and to see his interactions with them. Just I don't know how things were culturally, but I just to see how he interacted with them and how he met them, met their needs and, and according to what they needed. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about um, you know, it's so it's so interesting to me that the one of the last things the Savior does in his mortal ministry, amidst the atonement and all the suffering and all of the anguish, incomprehensible, one of the last things he does in his mortal life is he makes sure his mother Mary is taken care of. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me, and he, and he tells John, he says, John, please take care of my mother. Mother, this is now your son who's going to take care of you. As he says that from the cross, and then, and then the it's also remarkable to me that the first person that he appears to is also a woman, mm-hmm. also a Mary. Mm-hmm. And of course, he says, I have not even yet reported to the Father yet. Touch me not, or in some translations. Don't grab a hold of me, yeah. right? Try, don't hug me. Um, I hope they'd be okay with. I hope heaven would be okay with me using that interpretation. But he says, "Don't hug me right now. I haven't yet reported to the Father." So the last thing, one of the last things he does in mortality is cares for his mother, and the first person he appears to in immortality is hmm. is a woman, Mary. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that being the first and last kind of things he did. Interesting. What a beautiful way to start today. That that we would talk about these women that maybe these verses aren't a focus very often. There's not new doctrines taught. There's not a parable there. It's just a description of the context of what was going on and setting up his his people maybe, but how important women were in that. Beautiful. Love that that's there. I also love it. <laughs> I just had a conversation with a um, young woman who is considering stepping away from the church because of how she feels that the church is, um, how women are treated in the church. And I've just, I've thought about, but how did the Savior treat the women? And I thought of those same exact examples. Like we know exactly Mm -hmm. how the Savior feels about women by just thinking about those very examples. Yeah. So thank you. Love it. Yeah, thank you for bringing that in. And I think that provides also a, a perfect segue to to the parable of the sower. Hmm. And uh, I'm going to introduce this and you know talk about this this young woman who's considering um, stepping away from the church because of how women are taught. And President Nelson's invitation to all young adults last May, so less than a year ago, he says, "I plead with you to take charge of your testimony." Hmm. Work for it, own it, care for it, nurture it so that it will grow. Feed it truth. Don't pollute it with false philosophies of unbelieving men and women, and then wonder why your testimony is waning. So I asked several young adults via text to uh, to answer the question of how they feed their testimonies, how they, excuse me, to take charge of their testimony. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about a few of these as we get into the Savior's words. Yeah, parable of the sower. Sower, I love it. Um, let's start in Matthew 13. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, just for those that are listening, this is also discussed in Luke chapter 8. The parable of the sower is there. Um, and so maybe as we go, we'll we'll make, make some comparisons to what's in Why don't we just stay there? We're in Luke 8. Do that? Let's just stay in Luke 8. Okay. And then we'll make comparisons back to Matthew 13. Okay. Perfect. So right after uh, the, the description of the women that were with him is given, um, we move right into this parable, don't we? We do. Right away? Yep. Verse number 4. Um um, verse number five, go you ahead. want me to read it? Yeah. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. 
a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Okay, so we've got four, we're going to have four different types of seeds here. Well, I guess the seed is all the same, but the, the location of where they're sown or the location of where they're planted is different. Different. So the first one is the wayside. It just means not in the right spot. Right? Off to the side. Yeah. Just, just not, not in the not really? in intended planting, plantable space, maybe. Off to the side. Okay. Yeah. You want to keep reading? Yeah. Verse 6. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell upon among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit, and hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. All right, let's stop there for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got four different locations where these are sown. First one is wayside. Second one is, according to Luke, it's a rock. A rock. In Matthew, he says stony ground. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is? Thorns. And then the fourth one is? Good ground. ground. Good ground. Good ground. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about each of these four in turn. And um, maybe we'll skip the verses in between where he explains why he's speaking in parables. Sure. And maybe we'll save that discussion for, for the end or maybe for another time. Yep. And so, uh, verse number 11. Let's jump ahead there. Okay. Sister Aldous, you want to read there for us? Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock. We'll stop there for a second. Okay. okay. Any questions on that one, or or insights? Well, I like that. I like that it's described. He goes. I mean, that's not common in all the parables. He's, he's not always just telling you exactly what he means. Yeah. Um, but in this one, he is. He's he's helping you understand it. I also like the language that Matthew uses. It's interesting because I'm guessing they heard the identical parable, but they're remembering it just a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's very very similar, but. Remembering it a little bit differently. Um, in Matthew 13, 19, you guys can stay there in, in Luke chapter okay. 2. Okay. But in verse number 19, he says, Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Hmm. I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Let's talk about the uh, the one on the rock or on thorny grounds. Or, excuse me, stony ground. Go ahead. You want to keep reading? Yeah. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell away... That's all the rocks. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So, I want to compare this to what is what he says. So, so really, what is it that is the rocky ground, according to Luke? ones that receive the word with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, mm -hmm. and in time of temptation. temptation. Mm -hmm. So those who are on stony ground, or the rock, rocky ground, it's temptation. Now Matthew says it this way. Matthew says, when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he's offended. Mm -hmm. Persecution, tribulation, and then Luke says, "Temptation." It, it, it's interesting to me as as we read these that you know I think we're all sent to Earth in and planted in a different spot of ground, right? 
I don't know that we're always choosing to be in rocky soil or always choosing to be on the wayside or, or whatever. It reminds me of uh, back in 2015 when we were doing uh, Sabbath day training with the apostles. They, they spent a lot of time um, training the church just on what the Sabbath day ought to look like at home and at, at church. And, and I was in a bishopric at the time and uh, we got a lot of training on what that ought to look like. And and I remember Elder Bednar uh, speaking about multi-generational families, and he, he uses a, the analogy of a tree. And when the mature tree dies, this, the, the roots and the, and the branches and the trunk, the, the bark and everything that's rotting really supports the growth of the other trees. And, and then as the, the younger trees are growing up, they provide shade for the, the younger trees, the, the, the baby trees. And, and that idea that you know the first tree planted in a space deals with all kinds of stuff. It deals with... The, the wind and the rain and the sun beating down on it, it doesn't have any um, any protection from the elements. Three or four generations later, the trees that are growing in that exact same space benefit so much from those that were born previous, mm -hmm. right? And so it makes me think about, you know, the those that were born in seed, in, in, in ground that just isn't fertile. Um, and I don't know that this is really the Savior's message here, but 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 maybe that isn't all bad. Maybe that maybe that that you can find root, and that you can do your best to hold on when you're when you're born in a place of, of just a lot of uh, conflict. Um, maybe is is okay. You know we have listeners all over the world, and uh, it, sometimes in in the United States we get kind of myopic about thinking about, you know what what it's like to be a member of the church in our space. Well, we live in a place where. We have a release time seminary program, and there's thousands of students that come to the institute. And I think of those that are listening in Bulgaria, and what a different place! What a, what a the, the soil might feel uh, rocky. Not that the not that the the members themselves want to not put down roots, but maybe it's just hard to do that. And uh, that idea of multi generational families becomes something that this parable brings out to me. Um, that that you know I think the Savior has a specific message here about being planted personally, right? But maybe there's a bigger message, too, about um, being willing to to be the guy planted in rocky soil and stick your roots down and stay there, even though you're going to get burned a little bit and you're going to deal with the wind and whatnot. Uh, there's, there's maybe a little bigger message in it, too. That's what I love about parables. I can make all kinds of stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> you can interpret it any way you want. Yeah, however I want. <laughs> Now that resonated with me, especially live, serving my mission in Holland and in Belgium, and then mm -hmm. living in Germany for a couple of years. Like that just really resonated with me when you talked about, um, you know, our listeners in Bulgaria, Bulgaria for yeah. example. Now I haven't been to Bulgaria, but you know, one thing that was striking to me about living in Holland in particular, just because it was such a stark contrast, it was the first contrast for yeah. me, and, and then you know Belgium and, and Germany later, was that uh, you know that tribulation and that persecution that the Savior talks about in Matthew 13. Mm -hmm. The persecution and the tribulation and then temptation, too. Right. It's just different. You know, coming on my mission and seeing, it was just harder. It, yeah. From my perspective, anyways, and some might not agree with me, but from my perspective, there was more tribulation. There was more, more difficulty, more persecution there in those countries for those who were really trying hard to be. Yeah. Right, be disciples of Christ I, than there was for me growing yeah, up for sure. I, I think about the five listeners in China that have somehow figured out how to listen to this podcast in China. How hard is that that soil? And yet they're sticking their roots down and and, and staying firm. Right, good on you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just so cool. It's so cool. But anyway, it's, it's maybe tangential on our conversation here, but so cool. 
Well, I just love the idea that Matthew talks about um, taking offense because I think no matter where you are in Bulgaria or China mm-hmm. or Idaho, um, if you go in looking for something to be offended by, you're going to find something to be offended by or someone to be offended by. And um, that's pretty rocky soil if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Sometimes it's hard not to be offended. Yeah. It is. Sometimes it really takes reliance upon the Savior and His atonement not to take offense at the way somebody treats us. Yeah, and it, it just, a, just a point of interest um, on the concept of being tempted. You, we, we remember in the Book of Mormon, Lehi uh, approaches the Tree of Life um, in his vision, and, and he gathers his family, those that will come, and, and he sees others that are coming, and and many are drawn away to the great and spacious building, right? It's it's interesting to me as I study that, that the only people that stayed, it says they fell down and partook of the fruit. They got off their feet. They didn't have the option of moving anymore. They took themselves completely out of the ability to be tempted by removing their mobility. And, uh, and sometimes I think, you know, those of us that, that are tempted to fall away, we spend so much time meandering around the periphery of the tree that we miss that if I just sit down and let the fruit wash over me and let the tree and see the people and and, and stop looking um, at all the other distractions that uh, that maybe we can be a little more rooted, a little easier. Good yeah. choice of words. Thank you. More yeah. rooted. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't plan <laughs> to use that word. That was, you know. <laughs> cool. Uh, but it goes in perfectly with with the next verse and the next group of yeah of, of ground is of course those who were choked by. Thorns, thorns, because of yeah the the, the uh, pleasures of life, the riches, the cares, the, all the distractions, right? Yeah, because Luke says because of pleasures, mm-hmm. Matthew says because of the care of the world mm. and the deceitfulness of riches. Mm. So he's more specific there: care of the world and deceitfulness of the riches. So let's bring in some young adults and uh, sure. a couple of. Co- yeah. questions here by the way I love that you've done this that you've reached out before we met and, and got some young adults part of this it's it's it, wonderful when they're part of us it's so fun it yeah. has been so fun to reach out to all what I'm realizing and I'm, I'm feeling really bad about it right now is that I just have way more quotes from young adults than we'll be able to use sure. in two sure. hours time yeah, and so right. for those of you who I reached out to thank you for your contribution sorry if if we don't get to use your quote um, but well, well, I might just take a moment and plug uh, a little bit. We're trying to create a little bit of a Facebook presence for those of you that are out there listening. Um, the Come Follow Him uh, Facebook page is up and going. And, and really, we would love for young adults especially to be reaching out and interacting together and putting their uh, their two cents into what we're talking about and correcting us when we're wrong, right? And uh, especially because we're all old and we don't know what it's like to be 20-something now and and dealing with the, the wiles of the world, the cares of the world. Um, between Facebook and, and Instagram, we have we have a little bit of a presence in both those spaces now. So, and I will I will I will defer that I have not done that because I'm old. I don't know how to do that really. <laughs> and so we have some students at Boise State helping with that. And in fact, Brock, who was on a couple of weeks ago, uh, decided he wanted to really get involved and help us promote this outside of. Uh, what we're able to do here. So, anyway, that a little plug there. That's perfect. Get, in, That's get involved, perfect. and we'd love to have your input. So, should we uh, should we read some more of these? Yeah. In fact, I want to do it this way. Okay. Sister Aldous, if you'll read Caden Duckett's quote about cares of the world, and then because to me, in my mind, when I think of cares of the world, my mind is pretty much right with Caden's. Okay. okay. And then I wanted to read uh, my niece-in-law, 
we'll, we'll just go, we'll go that. We'll All right. Caden Duckett says, I think one of the greatest cares of the world for most young adults is our career, education, and extracurriculars stacking up with our church duties and responsibilities. A lot of our career and educational pursuits come with deadlines, and there are only so many hours in a day. It can be difficult to find time to do our important church activities like ministering, temple worship, and other things that do not have a timeline or deadline. It can be tricky to balance our righteous pursuits, like our careers and education, with our church callings and duties that are also righteous causes. Wow. That's pretty good, huh? What an honest response, too, right? Mm-hmm. What, a, what an honest response. It reminds me of Elder Bednar. Can I share quickly here? Um, Elder Bednar is speaking to young adults at a, at a certain point was asked a very honest question. A young man says, uh, how can we make time for the things that matter the most that we often set aside and we don't have time for? And Elder Bednar says, this is almost a quote. I've listened to it so many times. He says, uh, I'm going to be more direct than perhaps you're used to. He says, if you aren't finding time for those things, they just don't matter to you because we find time for the things that matter the most. We all have the same amount of time. And uh, we, we use that time for the things that matter the most in our lives. And I think that counsel was like really direct. Um, Maybe more direct than apostles usually are, but, but in conjunction with that statement, his teachings about spinning plates, Chinese plates, that you can really only spin so many plates at a time and, and uh, they're all slowing down except for the one you're focused on. And yet you have to learn at some point, I gotta set some plates down that are good but maybe not not the best. And uh, man, what Caden just hit the nail on the head though, didn't he? That the things without a timeline on them are the things we tend to set aside. Yeah, Absolutely. that's so so powerful. And maybe there's just a moment for for all of us, the three of us here, and for those anybody listening to, to consider: is there maybe something without a timeline that we could ask the Savior, ask the Lord through the Savior's atonement to help us to spend a little more time on? Mm-hmm. Maybe put something, change a little bit of a priority for us. Maybe just in a little way. Yeah. Man, it's easy for me. It's easy for me to identify my family and my children. I need to spend more time. They don't demand it, but I don't give it because they don't demand it. And there's not a timeline there. Except for that they're all going to move out. And yeah, there is a timeline there. <laughs> <laughs> I would just tell you. Right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're done with our podcast. You yeah. Come and yeah. Your kids. All right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. You said you wanted to jump to your your uh, niece. Yeah, because my niece, right. Kylie. Because I, I just, uh, I just, my mind doesn't think like this. And I wanted to hear what your thoughts are on her perspective of the care of the world. This is a sister. Again, our our minds don't think like theirs. <laughs> Please read it if you would. Kylie Stafford. I think one of the greatest cares of the world for young adults right now is fitting in. President Nelson recently challenged all of the young members uh, to be different and stand out. These days, people tend to want to fit in as much as possible, whether that's with fashion, music, language, etc. I feel like young adults think that it is bad to be different, that they won't be like or have friends, but we will have the greatest blessings if we are different from the world and have the light of Christ with us. And then there's another part to her. Yeah, right, right. Don't read that yet. Okay, not not yet. Just anything that stand out to you about her? Cares of the world. It's interesting because I have young adult kids and I my son would probably say almost exactly what Kaden said and my girls would be right <laughs> along the same line as what Kylie said. Really so that's so interesting to me. Hmm. Difference between men and women maybe a little bit. At least that's uh, hmm. could be. And I really love what she said next. We read the next yeah. part of her quote. 
I asked a follow-up question. Go ahead. Sure. Something that's helped me avoid the care of the world of fitting in is keeping an eternal perspective. It might be easy and fun to do things now that aren't the best decisions, but an eternity of happiness because of the decision to not be of the world is 100% worth not fitting in right now. 100% worth it. you got to keep that mentality right. you got to think beyond the now. We had a young sister uh, ask the question the other day, why does God have favorites and why aren't I one of them? <laughs> I thought, oh, sister, right? And she's sitting in an institute and asking that question. I thought, you know, if we could, if we could look back eternally backwards and eternally forwards and see, um, I, first off, I don't know that he has favorites. Um, I think some receive more of his love because of their behaviors. Um, but, but really, that uh, that all of us, the Savior included, will are, are given the same opportunities to to achieve and. And I think if we look at just our earth life experiences, the one who deserved the least amount of stuff got all of the stuff, right? And so was he considered the least favorite because he had trials and challenges? I, again, that's an eternal perspective, right? He, he came to do a specific thing on earth, and beyond earth, there's a completely different world being given to him. I wonder how the Savior would respond to that question. Yeah. Maybe maybe we get to the other side. You ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have favorites? Why wasn't I one of them? <laughs> well, it's certainly easy to for the people that feel like they are growing up on that rocky soil sure. to look and see those that have that good soil and to yeah. really feel like that. Yeah. And yet, man, there are some good people mm-hmm. in Bulgaria right. and China. And other places. In Holland. Holland and Germany, too. Exactly. Yeah, they're, 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 they're over there. <laughs> <laughs> Love those people. Yeah, so speaking of good ground, let's let's transition to the next, um, to the, the final, the fourth group that are on good ground. Um, Sister Aldous, will you read that one for us? Luke 8, 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. And, and can I just say to all of you out there who have honest and good hearts, keep going. You're doing a great job. It can be hard. Don't yeah. give up. Yeah. Savior's real. His power is real. I just love also to, that good and honest heart. And then you, you couple that with Matthew's version of this. Matthew's understanding, his remembrance of this. And he said, this is Matthew 13, 23. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, I want to talk with with you two about this just for a minute. And for those of you at home, hopefully this is interesting to you as well. But the Savior says the good ground produces fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some hundred. How does this relate to those who are coming from areas where maybe the ground's a little bit less? Interesting. It's interesting that, that uh, you know, we, we live in a place where the, the soil's pretty fertile, I would say. That, you know, there's a, there's a lot of members of the church that the, the growth has been successful here. Um, but even within the United States, it's not all the same, right? Just, just because we live in maybe what we would consider scripturally the promised land, of our day doesn't mean that you know it's all hundredfold, um, and maybe even within our own regions, maybe some 
wards or stakes feel more a hundredfold and some more 30 and just in, in how they produce and how they function and, and some things like that. Maybe we as a family, right, can can see it as, you know, I've got some kids that are hundredfold. And, okay, all my kids are hundredfold, right? <laughs> but, but maybe in, in families we see that, you know, that out, outcropping be a little less fruitful than, than the parents were or vice versa, more fruitful than the parents were, even planted in the same space. Hmm. Hundredfold, the Savior calls it good ground. Yeah. Thirty-fold, the Savior calls it good ground. Good ground. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you've had these experiences where you look at somebody in your ward or maybe for our young adults, some other young adult or some family member and we think, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. the Savior calls hundredfold good ground. He calls thirty-fold good ground. Any relevance to us when we're experiencing that, that those feelings? Man. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, later in the New Testament, we're going to learn about how some of us are like a toe, and some of us are the brain, and some of us are a hand, and some of us are the ear, and yet all of us are needed. The 30-fold is just as valuable as the 100-fold when, when we're taking it as a personal position, right? Um, and, and our contribution of 30 is every bit as much as needed as the contribution of 100. Um, because it's what I have. It's what I have to offer. It's the fruit that I can give back to the Savior, right? The, the, my, my offering, so to speak. And my thought was that none of us are going to be a hundredfold right. without the Savior. Yeah. And whether we are 30-fold um, without the Savior's help, He will help us be that hundredfold. Yeah. Like we all need the Savior, and He will make up that... He is that difference is between difference. whatever we are and what we need to become. Yeah. It reminds me of, the, probably that went through your head too, is Brother Brad Wilcox's talk, His Grace is Sufficient, where a young woman asks him um, in just an interview, you know, I'm doing everything I can, but I know it's not enough because I'm supposed to do all that I can. And then after that, the Savior makes up the difference. And, and Brother Wilcox says, well, okay, here's a piece of paper on a on a scale from bottom to top, you know, draw up until you get to where you think you need to get. And and so she does, and she goes a little more than halfway and stops, and he says, no. And she's like, I know it should have been higher, and she just <laughs> extends the line. He says, no, you're missing it. The, the Savior is all the difference. He is all of that gap. We just do our part to indicate to him that we want his help. And, but he's the hundredfold. I, I'm a seed. I pro provide nothing of my own, right? We've learned that from King Benjamin, that I am an unprofitable servant. And uh, yeah, that, that's a great concept that we really just need him to be any fold, right? And he makes us what he can in this life. Mm, love that. Love that idea. Yeah, and I would just suggest anybody who's who's listening, like all parts are all 30, 60, and 9, and 100, they're all good ground. Yeah. And, and if you're feeling like you're you're not perfect or you're not good enough. If you're feeling like you're 30-fold, you are still good ground. Keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Keep yeah. going. Keep following the Savior. There will come that time when He makes up the difference. And yeah. And it may not be until the next life. But yeah, we, we, we again, that's that eternal perspective that your uh, niece-in-law, right, said. That, you know. Keep that, yeah. Yeah, keep that eternal perspective. 100% worth it. I love it. I love it. Maybe we could circle full back. I know we're running short on time. Yeah, thanks. And And... I don't know if this is a thing. Maybe we can edit this out if it. It'll be a great thing. We won't edit anything. Well, I was, I was going to suggest all these quotes that I have that haven't been used. It's all on this topic sure. of 
Hey, the, the, the President Nelson pleading with the youth to take charge of their testimony. Right, yeah. Maybe we can put that on the... Uh, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. It'll be there. Yeah. Okay, TV. great. Or yeah. I was even going to say, just with the social media, I don't know. Oh, yeah, we put it in there. Put it in there. Perfect. That'd be a good way to get and things the, going there. Yeah, discussion on that topic there. I, sure. Whatever, whatever works, if, if it can be useful. Yeah, I'll get it to Brock. He knows how to do all that stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Brock. Love it. Um, and Sister Aldis, you weren't here for the very start, um, but I asked... And I'll ask you too. I asked Brother Swenson to tell us, you know, what this comes right from the "Come Follow Me." I just this question just jumped out at me. This was after I learned that a banana is a fruit. <laughs> yeah, okay. we had to just educate just so him you that know a, that a banana <laughs> okay. was a fruit. Okay. <laughs> well, we should ask you: a tomato, fruit? Yes, fruit. It's a fruit, isn't it? No. Well, Brother Stafford taught me that it depends on what vantage point you're coming from. If you're coming from a you know the an agricultural agri- thank you agriculturalist perspective it's a i don't know <laughs> it is a fruit if you're coming from a culinary perspective it's a vegetable oh now, this is according okay. to this is according to the google so the google okay, well the then google. it's kind of true okay i love it there it is so we're going back to matthew 13 yeah yes generally this this question is what is the fruit the lord seeks from us hmm. and i and i'll ask you and I'll ask listeners to consider what is it a fruit that he wants from you, expects from you personally? Because it's there are some general things, right? Like covenant keeping and yeah, and and worship and discipleship. But what are some specific fruits that he expects of you? Yeah, it's a great question. That is a great question, Sister Aldis. I've had the the whole time to think about it. So can I go first and let you close <laughs> up close up, close us up today? I. Uh, I think the fruit, the only fruit I really have to offer is um, my will, my um, my agency, my my life. Uh, th- those are the only things he doesn't even get involved in. He lets me wholly make the choice of what that fruit's going to even look like. Um, and for for me, that fruit looks like something different than for you and for Sister Aldous. It's different. And, and I, and I think that's maybe the beauty of uh, the gathering for the Savior is that the fruit is so plentiful and so different. Um, what a feast when we gather all in and, and we get all the cultures and all of the individuals within those cultures and what, what they are providing um, in that gathering. I, I think maybe uh, his expectation of me is to provide a fruit of me, which sounds really bad. <laughs> But uh, the fruit of me, maybe I don't know, my will, my my life. Is that that close to what I should have said? Is there a right or wrong to this? That was wonderful. Okay, thank you. Thank exactly. You. Thank you. I, I, was, I had the checklist right there. Yeah, you, you, I, I hit all you the hit all, all the parts. I hit all, every box. I've been trying the whole the whole session here to think, think about that. what I'd say, and I, I think that's what I'd say. Knocked it out of the park. Thank you, Sister Aldis. Anything you'd the only, well, the thing that I thought of as I was thinking about, by their fruits you shall know them. Um, and who is it that we want to know and who do we want to become? And so anytime we can turn to our Savior and, and um, experience the joy of daily repentance, keep turning to Him, and then every Christ-like attribute that we can work on, yeah. no matter what it is, whether it's to just be a little bit better at loving or connecting or praying or mm. serving or ministering um, that's beautiful those are like grapes 
little grapes, individual yeah. things that I can develop and, and make sweet in my life. I like that. Perfect. What about you, Brother Stafford? What would you answer? How would you answer that question? I, I honestly wasn't thinking about it. I know. But uh, I think my, my brain probably will go a different direction. And I think about my role right now in my life. You know, I have nine children, married with nine children. And, and what are the fruits that the Lord would have me right now bring forth and in addition to discipleship and worship and, and choosing Him and setting aside the, the cares of the world? I think He'd probably have me bring forth fruits of... Um, I go back to what my my niece said about being present. Hmm. I think for me personally today, it's to be present. When I get home today from work, that I'm present with my five-year-old. Mm -hmm. That I'm not thinking about what I've got going on tonight or responsibilities I have for for activities here or whatever it may be, but that I'm present for a few minutes mm -hmm. with him. And and uh, that I'm present with my, my nine-year-old and I'm present with my wife and I'm present with whoever it is that I am with. I think those are the fruits that right yeah. now he would have me bring forth. Yeah, maybe those fruits change at different times of our life, yeah? Well, that's what I thought about when I think about Caden's comment about um, it's difficult to find time because we are working on our career and our education and our other activities, and all of those are so important, mm -hmm. and they also are the fruit. And so I think it is different at different times of our life. Sure. And for different people. Yeah, I love that. Brother Stafford, this has been fantastic. Is there any closing thoughts you have? I, I think I want to give just one. Good, please. There, there's so much that we didn't get, we didn't get into any of the other parables. I know. That's good, sorry. though. Women and this. I love yeah. it. <laughs> the, the parable of the sower and, and the women in the scriptures. I love it. The one parable just keeps coming back to my mind is the parable of the mustard seed. Yeah. And that how the man plants it in his garden, according to Luke, and in Matthew says, plants it in the field. And then it grows up to be the, this great big tree, and then the, the birds nest in it. And, of course, you know, he wants us to interpret this according to, to what the Spirit's teaching us. But one interpretation is that that mustard seed is the church. Mm. And I just feel so strongly that that is the interpretation, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the restored church that started so small and now is this great big mustard seed tree. I don't even know. Yeah. You know what I meant. That didn't come out right, but you know what I meant. And that we can lodge there. Yeah. And so I just invite anybody at home to continue to follow the Savior and continue to lodge in that tree yeah. and continue to find power and strength in your covenants through Jesus Christ and and strengthen others as as they are coming to lodge for yeah. safety in this tree as well. That's beautiful, and, and and you know it brings us back to we talked before today and the, and today even about uh, the growth of just this podcast, right? That it's worldwide. Uh, when we talked about Germany and Holland, I looked it up. We have 19 listeners in Germany and six in Holland. What about Belgium? Did you look? I at didn't Belgium? look at Belgium. Oh, okay, but I'm sorry. And I didn't, Bulgaria. I didn't go there, right? Yeah, we have them in Bulgaria. I didn't look at how many, but but the idea that you've just shared that uh, the church is there. It's in China in some form or fashion, right? And and people are lodging there and finding uh, root and finding uh, a place to be, whether the ground feels soft or fertile or, or whatever. Um, and uh, it, it is everywhere. It has grown to this massive tree. Um, and we are a part of it. We just need to help others gather to that tree and find safety there. Thank you both for being here with us today. Um, Sister Aldous, thank you for 
being uh, blindsided a little bit. <laughs> yeah, thanks for jumping in without any preparation. <laughs> your, time. your insights have been great. Yeah. Any final any final words? Any final invitations from either of you to to the young people that are out there listening? Oh, I love that idea of just lodging. Lodge, no matter whether you feel like you are on that rocky soil or in in the midst of those thorns, there yeah. is that safe haven yeah. in that mustard bush. Love it. Follow the Savior. Thank it's you. It's beautiful. Thank you. Brother Stafford? Keep coming to the Savior. Yep. It's a place to be. That's it. Thank you. It's good to be with you. We'll, we'll see you again next time. Thank you. <laughs>